Welcome to the Construction User 2.0 from the Association of Union Constructors. In this podcast, we explore the latest labor trends, industry insights, and important issues in the world of construction. Join us for conversations with industry leaders, subject matter experts, and innovative visionaries as we discuss how we are building the world of tomorrow. No one ever says, hey, let's talk about healthcare and think it's going to be a fun conversation. But today's guest proves that very, very wrong. He worked with the Pendel Jersey NECA chapter for 27 years in virtually every capacity of association management, serving as the executive director for 18 years. He officially became the executive secretary treasurer of the National Electric Benefit Fund and appointed executive director of the NECA IBEW Family Medical Care Plan. He was inducted into the Academy of Electrical Contractors in October of 2002, which is NECA's highest honor to recognize exceptional and outstanding service to the electrical contracting industry. Now retired, he is an author and healthcare advocate for construction workers across the country. Please help me welcome for this conversation, Larry Bradley. Thank you so much, Larry, for uh, joining us today. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to talk. So real quick, I always try to keep these really fun. And uh, so I want to start with a ridiculous question. And that is, what's the last song you got stuck in your head? That's really easy. (laughs) Okay. It's been stuck there for a long time, but I use it in leadership training, actually. It's uh, a song by the Buckinghams, a classic rock group in the 60s, and it's called Kind of a Drag. (laughs) Okay. Now I have to, how do you use that in leadership training? I mean, I can guess, but how do you apply that to leadership? Well, one of the things I teach is the use of language in leadership because leadership is influence, right? So we're always trying, whether it's personal, professional, every aspect of our life, we're trying to influence people. And uh, what I learned was something really cool that this song by the Buckinghams done in 19, recorded in 1966, kind of a drag. Uh, In fact, I get people to call me up and say, before I talk about what I called for, let me tell you something. I can't get that damn song out of my head, right? (laughs) The song itself contains what are called linguistic opioids, right? That light the pleasure center of the brain when you hear them. That's why hits become hits. That's why we become attracted or more influential or not, based often on the language we use, because language can be hypnotic, as you know, but it also can be uh, opioid-like. And this song, in two minutes and three seconds, has 37 linguistic opioids in it. That's why we love the song. If you hear it, you'll get truck. I'm warning you, it'll it'll get stuck on you. <laughs> this is just really funny because so obviously, you know, where this is the construction industry and your your background is is construction as well. But as you know, I'm I'm the director of communications and my background is in cognitive communications and and stuff. So like you're one of the few people that I feel like I, I have to keep myself from nerding out about linguistic opioids and because lingu- that's my whole field of study. My dissertation was about was about cognitive communications and being able to bypass and, and get into people's brains with things like that. So I, I love that that's coming up. That's great. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you're probably familiar then with the study Harvard did on the word because they said that when you ask someone for something, any, any of us in any aspect of our lives, the co- general compliance rate is about 63%. So 63% of the time, you're going to get what you asked for just because you asked for it. But what Harvard learned was if you stick the word because in the request, the compliance rate goes up to over 90%. And they say, because the word because, it actually, people want to know why I'm doing something, right? The word because, irrespective of, by the way, they said it didn't matter what followed the word because, it was irrelevant. 
just the word itself, because it implies in its own self that there's a reason I'm asking you. That there's a reason. Yeah. It adds legitimacy and, and weight to the request, even if it's because I said so. Again, it doesn't work terribly well in certain contexts, but it works right on my children. Right. I, I teach people, you know, wherever you can inject that word in your sales process, in your influence process, with your customers, with your employees, with your support, you know, whomever you're trying to influence. Why not? It doesn't cost you anything to add the word, right? We're getting off to a great start. I love this. So, I mean, but you, you were leading, you know, the IBW and NECA National Healthcare Plan for like 13 years. Were, were some of these leadership things, things that you were able to use and, and implement in that? Like Absolutely, because I had twofold uh, responsibility. One was to lead and run the organization itself, the healthcare plan, national healthcare plan, very large plan. But it was also to promote the plan out to the world in the IBEW because local unions could join that plan as a national plan and basically get out of the healthcare business. So, yes, I was able to use linguistic opioids. I was able to use language. Uh, in all of my presentations, I layer this stuff in there, you know, and it's obviously only for good purposes, but uh, we, we, we grew the plan 10 times its size in about 10 years. Oh, I love it. That's just, I, that, what we're now, I mean, that is just on its face. Congratulations. That's the most amazing. I mean, that's a huge multiplier in a relatively short period of time. What were some of the biggest hurdles you kind of came across during that period? Healthcare. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's Say funny. no more. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's 24 seven. It doesn't stop. You know, I mean, I also ran pension plans and annuity plans and 401k plans. There's really no pension emergencies. But in healthcare, there's a ton of emergencies and it's all the time. It doesn't sleep on weekends, you know, or nights. And it was just a constant. And it was, you know, always trying to provide, you know, excellent service to people in a not so excellent environment because you're dealing with so many different players and platforms out there. You know, we, we use, for example, uh, Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield. It's a behemoth. So everything does, everything doesn't always go smoothly, nor did it in my shop. You know, we had issues and bumps and bruises along the way too. And an implementation was a big one. When we were implementing and bringing on a new group, you try to make that runway as smooth as possible. But, you know, I always told people it will not go perfectly. I, but I can tell you this, we'll own our mistakes very quickly and we'll fix them very quickly because that's what leadership is about, right? You can't unring a bell, but you can fix it, pro, you know, prospectively and, and take care of business. And that's what we did. I think we did very well. When someone is dealing with their health care, it's never for a good reason. You know, you're always the entry point is something is wrong. Did that prove to be a an added impediment in, into the process? I mean, you're never dealing with someone on the best day of their life. No, well, absolutely correct. In fact, I so much so that I, I basically I don't call it health care. I call it sick care because the point of entry, as you said, someone gets sick. I, I need my health care because otherwise you're not even thinking about your health care. You don't think about it till you need it. But. In America, you know, Western medicine, we provide sick care, not health care. And frankly, it's out of control. I mean, think about this. We spend in America two to three or more times on health care than any and every other nation on Earth. And we're taking more prescription medicine than everyone on Earth. We're taking 25 million pills per hour in America. Yet we're getting sicker, quicker and younger. Why is that? Because we're not providing health care, we're providing sick care. We did something really phenomenal about that, too. I was actually just listening to another podcast in this industry. It was about a, a guy who was 
kept getting eye infections on the job site. Dirt and dust and stuff was getting his eye. And he, he kept going in and having these eye surgeries where they had to, like, without getting super graphic, basically removing really bad cysts and, and styes from his eyes because just all the dirt and the things and even eye protection wasn't. And after four surgeries in four years to remove these things, the doctor finally said, you know, if you were to just wash your eyes with Johnson Johnson baby shampoo, not to be all overly commercial, like every day at the end of the day, just really rinse your eyes out with tear free baby shampoo. This will probably stop. And he's like, that was 12 years ago and I haven't had one since. Why didn't they say that the first time I had surgery? <laughs> Well, unfortunately, a, a lot of the great remedies are are very inexpensive, and that doesn't bode well in a system that's built around money, right? Exactly. You know, you, you, it's a, it's a, it's a. Yeah, I remember years ago Johnny Carson telling a joke on the, on his show. He said, "You know why you cannot read a prescription? The handwriting." He said, "It's a note from the doctor to the pharmacist, and what it says is, I got mine. Now you get yours.'" <laughs> I wish that's that's funny because it's truer than it should be. So you wrote a book called Tip Strategies and Secrets to Get and Stay Well in a Very Sick World. Can you talk to me a little bit about that and how that kind of plays into all this? Absolutely. So I took the health care plan back in 2011. I asked the trustee bosses at the time, what did I do to piss you off, by the way, that you gave me the health care plan a year later? Uh, or actually a couple of years later, my 32-year-old daughter then was diagnosed with breast cancer. She's 32. She was 32, mother of two boys and, and wife. And uh, she went through the whole regimen. So, you know, and she's fine today. She's 10 years uh, uh, cancer-free. We, you know, pray every day that stays that way. But uh, between Kate's experience with cancer, so close to us, obviously, and my experience in the healthcare system, I got to see firsthand as kind of a healthcare insider what works and what doesn't work and what's out there. So the book is really written around just what you said, tips, strategies, and secrets to get and stay well. There are simple things that we can do that are non-toxic, non-invasive, free, mostly free, that are powerful in enhancing our wellness and our immune function in the human body. And people just generally don't know about it because as the world turns, here's what happens, right? I'm going along my daily life. Something erupts. I, I get sick or a family member gets sick. We go to a doctor. We get a prescription. We take the prescription and we get well and we move on with our lives. That's the general model that people understand is called health care. It's really called sick care. But so the book is designed to open people's you know eyes, hearts and minds to say, hey, there are some other things here that are pretty amazing that most a lot of people don't know about. So I was compelled. I deep. I was always a curious, ravenous reader and self improver anyway. But when this all occurred between my daughter and this healthcare experience, I said, "I got to do something. I've got to do something." So I took it upon myself to say, "I'm going to write a book," and I did. No, that's awesome. So I wrote a book a few years ago as well. But I was how was the experience? The actual writing, the compiling. How did you find the the experience of writing the book? It was fun. It, 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 it got, uh, as you, you well know then, it, it, it can wear you out. But I had a ball doing the research because I, I do everything that's in the book that I recommend I do. Because I eat my own cooking, as they say, right? But here's a weird story, right? Here, listen to this. So I'm at a John Maxwell. I'm a certified uh, leadership coach with John Maxwell. John is an amazing man. He's written more on leadership than anyone in the history of the world now, right? Yet, he would define leadership in one word. It's 
influence, nothing more, nothing less. So I always tell people, if you want to be an effective leader, I don't care if it's leading a family, leading a business, leading whatever, association, become a good influencer, right? And I, I teach, the, teach the tenets of, of influence, like using Bob Sheldini's work uh, in the book Influence, which he wrote. But um, back to John Maxwell. So I'm at this uh, week-long retreat training with, with John and his team. And John's uh, background was a preacher at first. And he said, look, on Sunday morning, not optional, you know, no, no strings attached, but I'm going to do a Sunday morning service if anyone wants to come down and, and hear it. So all day Saturday, I'm thinking to myself, no, nah, I'll skip that. I, I'm not going to go to that. It was 8 o'clock Sunday morning. Well, for some reason, not only did I go, uh, and I sat in the back in case I needed a quick exit, right? But I took a, I took a, ta- I took a book, a tablet, and a pen. Like, who takes a tablet to services, right? I mean, many people do, but I, I thought it was weird that I did that. But I sat there and I started questioning myself. I said, "Why am I here? Why am I here?" And, and what I meant was, "Why am I here to listen to this eight o'clock Sunday morning service? I'm not really interested. Why am I here? Why am I here?" And I will tell you. Almost as if it was divine intervention, that question morphed into, why am I here on this earth? What am I, what is my purpose? So, and I'm telling you, Kirk, it was like pen became possessed. I just started writing ravenously. And what I produced would become the, basically the index or the syllabus for my book. So that question, why am I here? can be pretty powerful because I would, if you told me that I would go to a Sunday service titled The Women of the Bible at eight o'clock on a Sunday morning in Orlando, Florida, to basically sketch out, uh, I would come out of that service with the index, basically, uh, all the topics for my book, I would have told you you're out of your mind. So, you know, sometimes you got to let life take you where it wants to take you. That was a weird experience, but I'll tell you what, it was, a, it was an intervention as far as I'm concerned. No, that is a fantastic story. It's, you know, I'm, I'm big on those triggers, those linguistic and those life triggers that kind of change and shape you. And that's a great one. Yeah. You know, it could be at an 8 a.m. Uh, 8 a.m. service. It could be riding a motorcycle. It could be, you know, swinging a hammer. Uh, you know, Einstein said he got uh, the theory of relativity working at a patent office just because it was just it. Op- it was the, the process of seeing ideas coming through kind of opened up his mind to new ideas. You can you can find truth where you find truth and you can find those moments, which is just really cool. Great partners make a difference in any industry, but ours are the best. So let's take a moment for the Milwaukee Minute. Milwaukee Tool is dedicated to providing a full range of trade-focused solutions that increase confidence and productivity on the job site. One example of that commitment is OneKey, our connectivity platform that puts job site management into your hands, allowing you to track what matters through the industry's largest Bluetooth tracking community. This purpose-built tracking hardware and software gives you the ability to customize, track, and manage your tool inventory, fundamentally changing the way you interact with your tools. Together, the OneKey app and the IoT Connected Power Tools deliver superior task-specific power, precision, quality, and repeatability to help you and your crew work smarter. The free app grows with your business, addressing inventory pain points, increasing productivity, and decreasing downtime. Learn more about the OneKey platform at onekey.milwaukeetool.com. So continuing on that theme, but then kind of moving to the world of, of you know, more construction and we, like you said, we have sick care, not health care. What can we 
what can we do be doing in a day to day on on a job site that can make it more healthcare? What can we be applying to our lives and job sites to to keep our our guys healthier? Well, one of the things I teach, in fact, great question, because I tell people, if you were to ask me, and I don't care who the you is, I don't care if you're a mom, a child, a construction worker, a construction owner, whatever you are, you're a human being. And if you were to say to me, what's the number one thing that I should be doing right now for me and my loved ones in this vein of wellness in this world we're living in? And I would tell you, learn to manage and mitigate stress in your life and the life of your loved ones. You'll never, you'll never eliminate it, but you can greatly minimize or mitigate it when you learn some basic principles. In fact, in the book, there's a chapter called the MESS Cleanse, MESS standing for Mental, Emotional, Spiritual Self-Cleanse. You know, we do body detoxes, right? But how, how often do we cleanse ourselves or detox ourselves emotionally? Because the CDC tells us now, the number one delivery system for disease in America is stress. How's that stress? Because today's stress is chronic, right? You could have acute stress, like if you were a cave person and a lion was coming out to eat you. That's acute stress. You go into fight or flight and you either become the meal or you escape. But when you do escape, then your body goes back to homeostasis. Today, it's a bad boss. It's health problems. It's problem with the parents, problem with the kids, cancel flights, traffic jam. They're chronic. So we're in a constant state of stress. So the stress hormones, namely cortisol, is constantly producing in the stressed body, stressed mind. And by the way, they're inseparable. So that stress that creates inflammation via cortisol is basically the red carpet for disease inviting you in. So my book is basically about what I teach people. I said, you want to make yourself and your loved ones the most unwelcoming host for disease. Right. And do everything. And like I said, a lot of stuff is simple, fun, you know, mostly free. You know, there's no peddling in there. It's just, hey, these things work. And, and there's all science behind every bit of it. Right. So I would tell people learn to manage and mitigate stress. And you and there's direct processes to do that. Does your book cover it all or, you know, being sick is one thing, but we we're coming out of uh, mental health awareness and suicide prevention awareness month. The the mental and the stress as it goes to, the, you know, the suicide's a big problem, especially in the construction and the trades right now. How do we address that? How do we eliminate stress and eliminate those stressors in a job that is just at its core very stressful? Well, I think that, you know, for the longest time, I mean, I spent 48 years in the construction industry, right? And we're, we're tough people. You know, we're rough, tough people, right? We're construction. So it's kind of like when you start talking about stress and stress mitigation, things like deep diaphragmatic breathing, things like meditation, right? I, Ten years ago, if you'd have said these things that I now promote to me, I would have said, get out of here. You know, this, this is hippie stuff in the 60s, right? Now I do it religiously. And I will tell you, I only do it because I'm an Irishman and I, I could go to zero to 60 in a heartbeat. I was four times a CEO right, of four different enterprises. So I used to say that I'd get angry for sport because of my ethnicity until I actually learned. And it was largely my wife saying to me, you're going to kill yourself. You keep it up because you're, you're, you really get, 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 get wild up there with the anger and the upset. And I, had to, I, I, I did it out of necessity, you know, that I had to learn to manage and mitigate myself. And, and by the way, be a better person, right? Be a kinder person. You know, if you're nasty or if you're kind, if there's a problem, you're going to find it and resolve it, right? Either way will get you there. Why not choose the kind route? 
People have enough on their plate. Look what's going on since post-pandemic with our school-aged children. Suicide has doubled, doubled. These kids, you're talking about reading and, and math scores plummeting in America. It's because presenteeism. These kids may be in the classroom or they may be in front of the computer, but their minds are not. They're distracted and they're socially isolated. That's what's causing a high level of stress. And a lot of it's these devices and so, so forth. But to your, to your point, I think it's a matter of actually implementing training. I'm working with contractor now and uh, we're, we're doing, you know, mindset and leadership training to, together as one. Right. So uh, and, and it's blowing people's mind like some of these tough guys when they sit down and have a softer conversation about what really matters, what really going on. I mean, I'm seeing people break down. I'm seeing people let it out. I'm seeing all kinds of great stuff go on. But I think for a long time, our industry was hostage to the notion that we're supposed to be tough, right? By the way, this also bodes very badly, you know, this distracted world we're living in, this stressed out world we're living in. You know that our industry as a whole, safety is a big, big issue. Like I tell people in, in electrical, I said, we have something that you can't see it, you can't smell it but it could kill you. So don't be too distracted when you're out there, you know, doing your work. So I, I think it's a matter of structuring training and teaching for, for people in our industry. And I, the receptivity of it's been mind blowing to me because I'm not getting the resistance. Like, oh, I'm a tough guy. You know, I don't, I don't get ulcers. I, I cause them, you know, that kind of remember that stuff. I'm not seeing that, you know, I'm not seeing, it. I'm seeing people open up and say, yeah, I need some, I need some training, some help. To, to that exact end, I remember kind of non-secretary segue. So I was, I was in the military for a while and I was always kind of embarrassed and ashamed that I was big into yoga and I always did it kind of hidden, like away from the other guys. I was big into yoga and I would do stuff because that was just my, how my meditation and my Zen. And I was talking to some, some guys once and talking to a Navy special forces, he would be very clear to say, not a seal. He was Navy special forces, EOD, not a seal. And I was, I was talking to him and he's like, so what's your fitness regimen? And I was like, eh, I don't want to talk about it. He's like, no, he's like, what's going on? And I, I told him, I was like, I'm into yoga and kind of meditation. And he's like, he's like, dude, I've never been with a special force, special forces person that doesn't do yoga, that doesn't do mindfulness exercises. Like you can't get into the level of peak performance if you aren't getting your body right. And not just from a pumping iron standpoint. And I remember like I was younger, I was in my, my twenties, like this, this kind of Navy special forces dude saying, do not be ashamed of that. Like peak performers. That's who, that's who does that is peak performers. Yeah. Everything, right. Everything that is uh, success for uh, mostly success, let's say really to me begins with awareness right becoming aware of yourself who you are what your body is about what your mind's about and learning to develop that relationship with yourself i mean the most important relationship you have on earth is the one you have with yourself it's called our self-esteem right that by the way is also plummeting and i think that that's an epidemic in this country especially with our young people they need to be taught what self-esteem is and they need to be led on how to increase it because it will affect every single aspect of their lives, everything. So, I mean, but all the things we're talking about, like we, we started off at the conversation at the top with talking about, how, you know, healthcare is almost a punchline at the end of so much. There's just so many things wrong with the system and the construction industry, union, non-union, everything. There's a lot of things kind of, there, there's some definite cracks in the system that we're trying to solve. There, you know, the self-esteem and the isolation, we're talking about three overlapping systems with unbelievable insurmountable, I'll say with air quotes, problems, how do we get union construction and U.S. healthcare and personal awareness and wellness, and how do we make it work more effectively for us? 
Well, I, I'll start out with the, with with a, with a straight answer because I think uh, I'm a I would say results, right? Our healthcare plan, we're implementing something that no one I don't think in this country is doing, and it's a pilot program that it's actually goes back five years when it was first came about. It was implemented just over a year ago with a small group of people. We just agreed to enhance the size of the pilot. And essentially what we're doing, you know, the fourth leading cause of death in America right now is uh, adverse drug reactions. That's adverse reactions to prescribed medicine, fourth leading cause of death. It's driving probably 80% of the spend in a healthcare plan and the healthcare folks really don't even know it. I mean, the big driver of healthcare dollars in, in America today is chronic illness. About 70% of us have at least one. And that's, you know, you see the doctor every three months and you get a script every month. That's, that's you know, you're a customer. You're not a patient anymore. You're a customer. And who wants to fix that? You fix that, you lose a customer. But uh, I would say results. So what we did was we decided to get into pharmacogenomics testing. So we're testing people with a saliva test. And then we can look at all the commonly prescribed medications and their unique DNA, their unique gene pool, and say, this drug is working, this drug is not, this drug needs a higher dose, a lower dose, or you don't need it at all. But if you could know what a pill or a drug is going to do before you put it in your mouth, good, bad, or ugly, wouldn't you want to know that? So so we're doing that. Some of the results are, so uh, by the way, the other thing is nutritional depletion, you know, uh, vitamins and minerals are depleted when we're on drugs. They're depleted anyway, but drugs make it worse. So we're looking at the, the, the nutritional the, the, the depletion and we're leveling them up with pharmaceutical grade vitamins and minerals and the results. And by the way, next step, uh, third and final step will be food. We're going to be prescribing food to your door that is kind to your and, and in line with your DNA and your gene pool that'll don't be most of because you could eat a tomato, I could eat a tomato, have two entirely different reactions, one good, one bad. But the preliminary results we're having, in fact, I'm going to be up in Boston next week talking about our preliminary results. And I could tell you story after story that is just mind blowing what people, what's going on in people's lives with this simple program. You know, but we're, we, we have a guy that's on Plavix. It's the third most commonly prescribed blood thinner in America. Well, one in three Americans don't metabolize Plavix correctly, but your doctor doesn't know that. So that's why the doctor says, let's try this. I'll come back in a month, six weeks. We know. We told this guy, you have an eight and a half times greater opportunity for a cardiac event because you're on Plavix. Let's change this. Let's go to your doctor. And, and we do everything through their doctor. And But no doctor's sitting out there studying this. They don't have time to study this. They don't have time to see patients, let alone learn this stuff. So we're looking to get sick people well and keep well people healthy. That, to me, is the ultimate answer in healthcare in America. That's what we have to do. So who's the we here? You're like, what organization are you spearheading for this? This is the, uh, the, the healthcare plan that I ran. The rant? That's what I, that's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, that we were talking. It's the IBW NECA plan. Okay. No, that's, that's incredible. That, I mean, that's an incredible service and an opportunity for, for those people to get, you know, like I said, a tomato for two different people is a very different metabolic response. So making sure that you're eating right for you and, and getting the results you need for yourself. So what's the future look like? You know, we're coming out of a pandemic. We're going into all of this stuff. We have all these healthcare problems. What's the next step? What do the, you were a four-time CEO. What are all the CEOs that are listening? What's the next step? What does the future look like? What do we do? How do we make it work? Well, despite, you know, 
by the way, we're, we're one of the, a lot of Americans think we have the best healthcare in the world or we're among the best. We're actually closer to dead last. We're, we rank 37th overall in health outcomes. So we're not good at it. Here's the thing. If you break your arm or you need a heart valve, you are in the right country for healthcare. But if you have a chronic illness, you're not, right? So I'm saying what we have to do is learn to get sick people well and get keep well people healthy. And there are simple solutions to doing this. And like I said, this pilot program that we're doing, it's a it's the the you know the, the it's a triple play, if you will. The pharmacogenomics know what the medicine will do or even if it's necessary or what the dosing is or should be. Then it's the uh, the depletion, mineral vitamin depletion, then it's the food. Ultimately it's the food. You can't outwork a bad diet, right? But we coach people, we work with people, because I'm gonna tell you something. Five percent of a healthcare plan's population, I don't care which group it is, five percent drives eighty to ninety percent of the spend. They're 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 generally what we call polypharmacy, and that's who we targeted first in our pilot. It's um, diabetics on five or more meds. And these people are really sick. And I'm gonna tell you something. What you know what the resounding reaction we're getting from the people is? No one's no one's ever cared for me like this in my life about me and my health. But we're seeing results. We're seeing a recluse, 30-year-old, overweight, diabetic female who would, wouldn't even come out of a room, now in the gym five days a week, lowering her weight, lowering her A1C, and socializing. We gave her her life back. And there's story after story after story like this. But let me talk about genetics for a second, back to my daughter. So post-diagnosis, post-treatment, uh, and anybody has been there knows it's, not, it's, it's no picnic. It's, it's a brutal, brutal regimen. My daughter had her genetics tested. And not through me. She just went and did it. And they read her results to her. And her her cancer was estrogen fed, right? And she learned that she metabolized some things that she consumed regularly into estrogen and all kinds of other stuff about her body and her genetic makeup. And I and 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 they said to her, What do you think now that you've had your genetics read and you've had this report? And she said, I think had I had it before my diagnosis, I would have seen cancer walking up the street looking for me. How powerful is that? Well, I'm committed. I'm committed to help as many people as I possibly can to learn what's going on in here before the event. Like, why wait for a life-changing event to change your life is 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 a familiar tag, right? Why wait for that event? And most people do, like you said. Sick healthcare only matters when I get sick, right? It shouldn't. So you, you know, you've recently, uh, you've recently retired. What do you? What's it look like now? What is the, what does the fight look like now? I'm uh, still working with the healthcare plan as on a consulting basis, and I'm consulting to uh, corporate America on uh, leadership, mindset, stress mitigation, and other things. Uh, and I'm having a blast. I'm loving it. I'm just about to release a book in about three weeks with my daughter, a parenting book. Uh, the the book we're talking about, and the actual title is, I don't know if I can say this, but it's Wake the F Up. Oh, is it? No, you tip absolutely strategies, can't. Tip strategies and secrets to get and stay healthy in a very sick world. That's going to be coming out very soon. I, I'm working with my book coach now. We're trying to figure out dates. It's all They're all done, written ready to publish. So it'll be coming out soon. Okay. 
No, that's I, I'm going to have to pick that up. That it sounds awesome. It sounds incredible. I have genuinely enjoyed. I could spend two hours talking to you just about linguistic uh, linguistic triggers that we started with. This could go all day, but I want to be you know respectful of your time. If ever you're in the D.C. area, please drop by. Let's grab lunch. But this is uh, this has been incredible, and we very much thank you for your time. Oh, thank you, Kirk. I look forward to meeting you one day. I would love to c- continue the conversation. As would I, sir. As would I. Thank you so much. Thanks. Have a good one. You've just listened to the Construction User 2.0 podcast from the Association of Union Constructors. Don't forget to subscribe to get all future episodes of what is going on and what is current in the union construction and maintenance industry. 